Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, we're gonna get started. And before we get started, I just have a few reminders. Wait, everybody is moving on my screen, so one second. So thank you for coming to the launch of Sphere Resources and all of our exciting updates. I'm Karen Rossiter, the manager and senior trainer here at Sphere. There are a few things like I mentioned before we get started. So the first thing is to make sure you have your full name on your Zoom screen so we can send you your professional development certificates. So that's very important. And number two, when you have questions, please just type them in the chat and then Sean and I will get to them after his presentation. Hopefully we can answer all your wonderful questions. So we're just gonna jump right in and get started. I want to welcome Sean Kennard. Some of you may remember him from the summit. He presented on using human progress in the classroom. Sean teaches AP World History and Psychology at Yorktown High School in Arlington, Virginia. A classroom teacher for over 20 years, Sean has taught English as a second language, English and social studies. He is a national board certified teacher with a master's degree in teaching from the School for International Training and a BA in International Affairs from Lewis and Clark College. And he lives in Arlington with his wife and two daughters. So we're so lucky to have Sean with us tonight because he is the author of the three humanprogress.org lessons we are gonna be discussing and they are, our, they are our launch lessons for Sphere. So um, I'm gonna have turn everything over to Sean and I'm gonna, hopefully he's gonna demonstrate one of his most popular lessons. Sean. All right, thank you so much, Karen. You make me sound so, uh, so accomplished, thank you. <laughs> Uh, welcome, everybody. I'd like to say welcome. I know it's probably the end of a long day of teaching for all you guys, and I really appreciate you being here. Um, so as Karen said, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen so you can see um, my presentation here. Um, there it is. Should be there. There it is. Okay. Um, I'm just a regular high school teacher. <laughs> like probably some of you are. I teach, as Karen said, I teach AP World History and Psychology, uh, but I've taught, you know, in the past, I've taught all the social studies classes, I think, except for um, sociology. And so I've taught economics and government and geography and US history. Um, now I've been using humanprogress.org in my social studies classroom for about three years now. And I actually came across this website um, after reading a few books, including um, Steven Pinker's book, uh, a couple of Steven Pinker's books, as well as some other ones about the economic and social progress that we've made in recent decades. And you know, seeing how those facts usually didn't match up with the perspectives of all my students. You know, some of my students have really accepted the narrative, unfortunately, that the world is just getting worse. And some of them have actually become you know, quite cynical about it. And I'm, I'm sure some of you know. You know, teenagers are really impressionable. And it really dismayed me to see so many of them hopeless and you know, quite frankly, just misinformed or uninformed about the state of the world. So I kind of went on this quest to find um, stories and information that um, represented how the world really was or is right now. And so I came across humanprogress.org and it's just like blossomed since then. So I like using um, the resources on humanprogress.org. Well, because some of them actually are just really, really inspiring. For example, um, the first article in this series, Heroes of Progress is about this man named Norman Borlaug. I'm sure many of you know who he is. That's his image shown here. And it's estimated that Borlaug has actually saved over a billion lives 
over the decades because of his research and his work. And you know, most people have never even heard of him. In like in our AP World textbook, he literally his life literally merits one sentence in the entire textbook. And it's unbelievable because of you know this huge impact he's had. And so I know I find his life inspiring. I find the whole series of um, these biographies very inspiring. And so I make a point of having my students uh, read about him and learn about him. Uh, another reason I really like humanprogress.org in general, not just you know, across the whole website, is that students can really learn the state of the world. You know what Hans Rosling used to call uh, factfulness. He wrote a book called Factfulness. And the data on the site is all from reputable third-party sources like the World Bank, the WHO, and it's not cherry-picked at all. And, and all of it is not positive news either. It's not a positive news site. It's an accurate news site. <laughs> Uh, for example, according to the site, you know, political freedom and democracy have actually decreased in the United States, it's actually declined in the United States over the past 10 years. So I like the site because it gives the students a, ch a chance to learn the accurate information about the state of the world and trends that are going on right now, not just what makes the headlines, which is usually just very sensational news. Um, I made some lessons um, for several of the resources on humanprogress.org, and they correspond really well to my AP World History class. I teach AP World History and Psychology right now, but AP World is the one I focused on. And you know, you can do the same for your classes. In, in these lessons, um, I have students practice critical thinking, uh, visual literacy, that is deciphering maps, looking at charts, analyzing images, and then as well, of course, as, as writing, doing their own writing. Um, you know, you can use um, these, these um, lessons that I've made as well as the articles themselves to you know, create debates and have students um, build community in the classroom, hopefully by going and, um, through those debates, going through that process and you know, really encouraging civil discourse in your classroom. So I'm gonna go through one lesson um, that has proven to be the most popular with students. I, you know, I've done a bunch of these and I ask students you know, what they think. And um, so this, this one has proved to, to be the one that they really like. Um, it's called, it's based on the um, tool on humanprogress.org called Life in Numbers, which is this really cool tool. It allows you to compare your life uh, with that of a person born in the same year in a different country. So in this lesson, the first thing we do is we do a warm up, and you can do this warm up as a whole class discussion. You could do it as a think pair share. Uh, you could do it in small groups, however you like. And I have them discuss um, these questions. Is life getting better or worse? How do you know? And can you measure well-being and progress? And if so, how? Um, and these are really interesting questions because most of my students have never encountered these questions before. And they actually really have to think about it. They say, oh, is, it, is life getting better? How would I know if it's getting better? How, how can we measure that? And can we measure it? So these are just kind of, you know, just opening questions to get everyone's, you know, cognitive juices flowing, so to speak. And then after the warm-up, um, we always go over the objectives. Um, I'm not sure if, you guys are familiar with the PSYOP method, but that's one of the methods I was trained in. So we always have a content objective and a language objective. And the deliverable um, that the students actually have to produce is a paragraph, a coherent paragraph um, answering questions comparing two people in, uh, born in the same year in different countries. So that's what, their, um, that's what their charge is in this lesson. That's what they have to create. Um, but I don't just throw them in there. We do guided practice first. We do an, an example together as one class. So using the tool, Life in Numbers, um, I have them select a birth year, and since most of my students are sophomores, 10th grade, they're 15 or 16, so they select 2005. And then just as a, the model, we choose the United States as the first country. 
And then they um, put in that data. That's all they have to do, those two pieces of, of information, the birth year and the country. And then based on the information that comes out, they have to answer this question. On which of the six measures has life improved, gotten worse, or stayed the same on average in the United States over this time period, which is their lifetime? And <clears throat> pardon me, they have to be specific. So they have to answer this question specifically um, using the data provided. And a lot of times um, students will ask me though, you know, they're kind of embarrassed to ask, you know how it is. And they'll say, oh, what is, what is average again? And um, that doesn't surprise me anymore, you know, but because they don't usually have to apply um, those type of skills all the time like this. So um, I explain what average is. I have to explain a lot of times like what GDP per, per capita is. That's not something that a lot of them have encountered before. So this is a chance to really teach that vocabulary in context. So continue with the guided practice, then we select another country. And I always, as the model, I always have them select Mexico. Um, I'm a big fan of Mexico. My family loves to go, we love to go to Mexico and practice our Spanish, go to the beach, et cetera. But I choose Mexico because, um, you know, we're really, the United States is really tied to Mexico so closely economically, culturally. And um, Mexico gets a lot of bad press in the United States. So a lot of students who haven't been to Mexico or don't know Mexican people or people of Mexican heritage, a lot of them, you know, tend to have a, a more negative perspective on Mexico. That's just what they've seen in the media. And so um, I like to have them examine Mexico and compare Mexico and how it's progressed over the last 15 years and to, to hopefully surprise them, to show them that, you know, there is progress going on. It's not just those images that you see on the news. So that's why I choose Mexico. And then I have them answer this question. What are the differences, similarities between the person born in the US and the person born in Mexico? And then what might account for them? So actually have them thinking, have them bring that uh, background knowledge in, okay, what might account for these differences? Is it institutions? Is it culture? Is it the baseline economic development? What might it be? And just try to facilitate that discussion. And you can have them do this in any way you want. You could have them do it again in pairs, orally. You could have them uh, write it out. You could have them submit it as a form, however you want them to produce this answer. And then um, the next part, let's see if I can get through here, is the independent practice. Or it could be uh, an assessment if you wanted to do that, or it could be an extension depending on how long your class is. So I have the students select two other countries, not Mexico, not the United States. They have to choose different countries. A lot of students end up choosing um, countries of their heritage, like where their grandmother or their great grandparents were born. Um, and then they look at the results and they, they see the graph and they see a table with the results and then they have to write a paragraph and this is what they have to do is their their product right so what are the differences similarities between the person born in the two countries uh what might account for them again thinking about institutions economics etc and then what conclusions can you draw so can you draw conclusions trying to get that critical thinking going in them and then how has your perspective changed Sometimes students say, oh, my perspective changed. I had no idea that it improved that much, or I was surprised it hadn't improved more. I, I didn't know. And so you kind of elicit all that, all those reactions from them in this coherent paragraph at the end. So that's just one um, real brief uh, rundown of one of my, one of my lessons. Um, I wanted to show you um, just the site itself. So I'll go ahead and I'll share that with you. So you can see it, here it is. Um, here's my life in numbers right here. This is from the humanprogress.org site. So this is where you actually um, 
you put in the information. So right here, you would select your birth year, for example, 2005, select your country of birth, United States, and then you can see how the United States has changed. Um, income has gone up by 11% in that time, income per person, I mean. And then you can see this um, kind of dismaying um, piece of data over here, democracy and political freedom has actually gone down in the United States. And according to um, humanprogress.org data, which are, like I said, all independent um, third party sources. Um, and then if you wanted to compare, you would just go down here and just choose Mexico. There it is. And then you can compare the United States and Mexico. And so you can see the improvement um, that's occurred in Mexico over the same time period. And you could, and then, so that's the, that's the model that I talked about. And then um, when they do their own at the end for the independent practice, they would choose two separate countries and do the same thing. And so this is what comes out, this graph. And then here's the table here and it has it uh, in much more um, specific detail here with the numbers and exact percentages. All right, that um, is my short and sweet presentation for tonight. So um, Karen, oh, well, how would you like to uh, go from here? Um, I just wanted to also let people know that Alan put the websites and the links in the chat, but if you go to our website, they will, under resources, they're all listed as well. And the cool part is when we did the lessons, you when you click over um, a lot of the links will pop right up. So you don't have to go to Human Progress separately. When you open the lesson, the students can just click on what they need to click on and it's gonna bring them right to the links. So it's interactive for the students or you can give it to them um, without the interaction. So it's absolutely up to you how you do it. But we did have it, um, it reminded me when you were like, let me go to the Human Progress mm -hmm. site and show you. So we actually have that in the lessons in the links. So um, that was something really great we could do. So uh, does anybody have, let me see, any questions in the chat? Chat to, let's see. Um, Let's see, how is human freedom measured? What are the metrics that determine it? Let's see, that's from Betty. Great, I actually um, anticipated that question <laughs> because it's interesting, how is that measured, right? I, right. I want to, I have the exact same question. Right, so, and the students probably have that question too. Yeah, how is that measured, right? Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you measure that? So, right. um, let me bring that up real quick. Um, I went on and I found the about our data. There you go. Page on humanprogress.org with the very, oops. Sorry guys. Let me try again. <laughs> All over the place here. There it is. About our data. So this has a very lengthy explanation about um, the data, there's actually two sections here um, about our data explaining uh, where the data comes from. And then the sources here, if you if you keep scrolling down here, this is all on the human progress website on the explanation. It has all the data sources here. So um, Marion Tupi is the editor in chief of humanprogress.org. And um, he has a very sophisticated method and probably an algorithm of how these things are balanced and, and, and measured. Um, I'm obviously not an expert on that. This is just the, 
I'm just the, the person utilizing these tools. But you can go ahead and, and look at this, um, how, they, how they use the data here and read about it. Um, but to be, you know, I've, like I said, I've been using the site for a couple of years now. Um, in all of the discrete data sets that are on the site, you can always see the source. It's always sourced with the link, with the publication, with the date. It's completely transparent. There's nothing is not, everything is cited, everything is sourced in all the data sets. And as far as like how that specific measure is, is performed, I'm not exactly sure what goes into it, but I, I have complete trust in this site. I really do. I, it's been completely vetted and um, they're using all this third-party data, as I said. Thank you. Um, let's see. So with that being said, and somebody just mentioned all of the wonderful possibilities, good news is Sean will be writing about 20 more lessons for us this year on human progress. So we're really lucky to have that. And so please keep checking our website um, for different lessons coming, hopefully a couple every few months. So you will have more opportunities to use the website with these awesome lessons. So um, Sean, thank you so much for that demonstration. And I feel so lucky that we were able to have you here tonight since you actually have used these lessons and know that they are successful. Um, the reason I like these lessons is that they're useful and the students will learn from them, but they're also interactive and hopefully they get the students really interested. So we are going to, let me see if there's any other questions. Are there any other, let's see, a trigger line question. Oh, Arshad, don't care about metrics. They care about having meaningful relationships for a lot of these youth, meaningful relationships. Can something like that be measured? Oh, good question, Arshad. Good question, Sean. <laughs> um, let me read this again, sorry. You know, yes, that's true. Can, can something, that is a question, what do you think? <laughs> Irshad, what do you think? Can something, <laughs> does anyone have any ideas? Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a seasoned psychology professor. Yet. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's the great uh, challenge here, right? Is that um, our interior lives don't lend themselves to measurement in, and data collection. Um, you mentioned earlier, and I caught you, you know, rightly saying that, you know, this is, uh, these numbers can be trusted. They come from very, very credible sources. You rightly anticipated that, you know, a lot of kids today don't trust yes. wherever the information comes from. But beyond that, mm -hmm. numbers are meaningless to them if they feel what's the point of living in a free society if we're free to abuse one another, if we're free to manipulate one another, if we're free to just yell and scream at each other, who cares that you know life expectancy is 50% more today mm -hmm. than it was whatever in my parents' generation? What kind of a life is that? Here, here. Okay, so, so am I hearing you say that in cases like that, yeah, you know, um, you can't really measure that kind of thing. So, so let let me let me jump in just briefly to to offer a little color to the conversation as well. I think uh, Urshad, your question is great, and you guys are getting at at particularly important points. Uh, one of the things that's 
true is that measuring relationships themselves directly and what matters about that, that's very difficult to do, particularly on scale. But what you can see is some of the second order effects of those kinds of relationships when they happen. So a lot of the kinds of measurements that are out there, I'm not sure if these are in the human progress data set or not, I'm not as familiar with that, but are around things like uh, trust in society and measures of trustworthiness between people. Uh, and that ends up being a really good indicator if some of these other elements about a healthy society are in place. So while it's tough to do directly, you can see a lot of those things in neat sort of indirect ways. Uh, for those of you who are uh, economics fans, this is actually one of the kinds of pieces that was just in the most recent uh, Nobel Prize Award that was announced this week. Uh, for some of the individuals who are doing work on uh, difference and difference in trying to understand relationships between people and causality in the relationships in economic studies. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, but do take a look at that and take a look at some more of the data sets in there. And I think we'll find there's a lot of really neat things there. Great. Thank you. Um, Sean, I guess a lot of these questions that are coming up, like the question we just had and what Urshad was talking about, I feel like those are good conversations to have in the class. Do you find that these lessons start to bring these conversations more into class when they look at this and they ask those questions like, why is this country or, hey, it's doing better, but I know people that don't have all this, you know, that are still food insecure, et cetera. So do, do these lessons start those conversations? Because to me, that's what, that's one of the benefits of these is that they, you know, you have the metrics and you have the numbers, but the conversation that's coming from it, I'm guessing is really the priceless part. I haven't taught them to, to AP world history. So that's why I'm kind of asking you, but I think that that is one of the really important things. Yeah, they are definitely a spark to a lot of conversations and really good discussions on a lot for a lot of different reasons, right? Like so, a lot of people, well, a couple of the ones that I've seen, a lot of kids are just completely incredulous. They just don't believe the data, right? They just say, oh, th where are you getting these? And, um, you know, some students, they go and they look up all the links and they, it leads them to like the World Bank. And they say, well, can we really trust the World Bank? And I said, well, I don't know. What do you think? I think that's accurate and why, why or why not? And you can have that discussion. And then um, the other one was what, a lot of questions are kind of like what, on what Urshad was saying. It's like, okay, so what? These are just numbers, right? Is that really, are we really measuring what's important in our lives? Does this really make a difference? And I think Alan was addressing that right now too. And then all the uh, anecdotal encounter examples that people have, right, from their own lives. And so that's why, um, you know, uh, that first slide I, I show is like, okay, let's have this discussion from the beginning. Can, what is progress? Can we measure progress? And these are huge questions. You know, you could just go on for hours about this, not in like a five or 10 minute warm up. But yeah, definitely this site um, really elicits a lot of great conversations in class, definitely. Great, thank you so much. Thank you for all those great questions. Um, that's why we wanted to have Sean here tonight as well, since he's actually taught these lessons. So, um, and he actually knows what the students uh, are interested in. So we did ask him to write his three most popular ones. So I definitely, you should definitely fit this into your lesson plans in the next few weeks if you can and try them out and let us know how they go. We always like every uh, our teacher's insight on some of our lessons, so I appreciate that. Um, okay, Sean, thank you. Um, the, like I said before, and I think Alan posted in the chat, these are available on our website right now, temporarily under resources. And why I say temporarily is we are working on a more user-friendly version of our website. 
So we will be populating the site with more of these lessons. Like I said, Sean's writing 20 more, yay. Um, and we will also be putting resources, past webinars, upcoming programming and events. All of our information is going to be on this website and easy to navigate. Some of the topics we're gonna to be working on are immigration, free speech, voting rights, foundations of civics, and my favorite, economics. Uh, it's a really busy but exciting time here at Sphere. So if you are interested in writing lessons or creating resources for us, please email me. My email's in the chat where we'll be shortly. And we would love to hear from you because we really are building out our content and we would love to work with our Sphere educators, just like Sean. You could be here in a few months doing your own webinar. So again, please just email me and we would love to work with you. Another way we would like to work with you is Sphere on the Road. We will be at conferences in Florida this coming weekend. We'll be in Texas in November. So please email me if you're interested in bringing Sphere to your school or your local community. We'll basically work together to create the perfect event for your community. So we can either do a virtual event, which we're doing in the fall. We are doing a civics day in the spring with a school. We're also doing a mini summit in the spring with a school. So whatever works for your community or your district or your school, we can work and create a really unique event for uh, your school. So please, again, just email me and we will get that started. Now, I think this is why most of you may be here, but we do have our dates and news on our Sphere Summits 2022. They will be in person. And for those of you who do not know what our Sphere Summit is, it is a full scholarship professional development program here in DC for four days. There are going to be two unique summits this summer. I'm gonna go over both of them and then I'll take your, and all of your questions after because they're a little different than last year. So the first summit is the Foundations of Civic Culture. It is offered from July 10th to the 14th. This summit is designed for educators new to Sphere Summit and covers foundational conversations in civil discourse, free speech, and key issues in public policy from multiple perspectives, combined with professional development to equip you to bring Sphere to your classroom. And this is gonna be open to teachers and administrators from grades five to 12 in all subject areas. So if you have come to our summit before, this is similar to that summit. And if you know any colleagues, friends that have not come to our summits, please let them know about this one, July 10th to the 14th. Now, here's the exciting part. Our second summit, this is gonna be different from our first summit. Our second summit is gonna be July 24th to the 28th, and it is called Incorporating Civic Culture into Advanced Studies. This second summit is open to new educators as well as alumni of Sphere who teach or will be teaching advanced topics. So if you teach AP, IB, honors, dual credit, et cetera, it is designed for those teaching at the high school level. And the really fun part is we're gonna track it by discipline so that we can have smaller group conversations. And we're gonna focus on how to incorporate the ideas of civic culture into your classroom. 
So this will be a little different from the first one, but it is going, I'm really excited about it and I hope you will apply. And there will be an email coming out extremely soon with all of these details, because I just went over them quickly. And also the applications will be open very soon. So we wanna make sure that you know there's two different summits. So when you fill out the application, know which one you're interested in. And let me look if there's any, whoa, look at all these. I'm just checking out the chat now. So great, I'm excited too. I think it's gonna be great to have uh, the second summit be a little different. So, and I'm excited for all the teachers that are also excited, thank you. Um, does anybody have any questions about those two summits? I know I went over them quickly, but um, you'll get the email with all the specific details. So will it be virtual? We are not doing it virtual like we did last year. It will not be a hybrid. It'll be all in person. We will have some big virtual events during the summer, but they will not be hybrid like it was this summer. So are there any other questions I can answer before you get the exciting email and all apply on the first day? We're gonna have hundreds of applications the first day, right? Okay, <laughs> you're all excited. All right. Um, Let's see, are there, are we good? All these questions. Are there any other questions for Sean while you were thinking about it? No, no questions for Sean. Any other questions? Are there any questions about human progress or lessons? I hope you can look over them tonight and um, play around with them and then try them out in your classes. And I'm serious, again, please email me your comments. Good, what worked, what didn't work? And then that way we can work and try to um, fix them for future ones. So I just want to thank everybody. I think it looks like we are all out, oh, Sean. Everybody loves your lesson. I promise I'm not even, when I got the lessons, I was like, this is so fun. I wanted to go back to the classroom and teach these lessons. So, and I played around with them as well. So Sean, thank you so much for being here tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time to go over everything and working with Sphere. We're excited for your 20 new lessons coming. No, thank you guys. And I'm interested in, in if anyone would like to collaborate on some lessons and, and talk to Karen and talk to Alan, I'm always open for that. Like I saw someone in the chat um, talking about differentiating these lessons for ESL absolutely. English language learners. Yeah, we can absolutely do that. that oh my gosh, yes. I would love that. Just email me and, the, and uh, we could get everybody together at some point and have a call and then work that out. I would, yeah, the more people participating, I think the better work will come out. So thank you so much. All right, everybody. I really appreciate you spending some time tonight. I know it's it's kind of a, the first day back after you head off yesterday. So I appreciate it. And I will say have a great rest of your week and good night. Thank you.